back to another episode of Oddest is Hottest. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And I would like to start this episode with a trigger warning. If you struggle with disordered eating or a poor relationship with food or exercise, we are going to have an open, candid conversation about that because I struggle with that. And we decided to do this episode because I am currently just going through it. And so this podcast is, yes, a lot about deconstruction and purity culture and sex, but also just kind of about whatever we may be going through that we want to talk about at the time or in the moment. And currently this is something that I'm really struggling with that I've really been considering even starting like a YouTube channel about my own process and journey through, but this felt like a pretty comfortable ish Avenue to start that conversation and kind of, I don't know, like I've, I've talked about it a little bit in public spaces, like on our other podcast. And so it seemed like this one talking about, you know, our own individual struggles with just kind of whatever seemed Mm -hmm. like, you know, a, a kind of natural avenue to take it, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I asked you like 20 times if you felt comfortable with this. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, we were supposed to record actually for the Extra Sisters on Monday and I just called you like sobbing that like I just <laughs> couldn't do it because like I just had such a bad eating disorder day that I just was not in like capable of really doing anything. And today is Wednesday. So it's been like at time of recording. So it's been a couple days that I've just kind of had to recover from that day and we'll talk about you know what was triggering and like kind of what I've been dealing with really over the past decade and you know I don't have all the answers and I'm not here to give you answers I am not a professional so please don't take anything that I say clinically I would just like to start that off these are all my own experiences things that I may have been told by a professional things that I have learned but things that may work for me may not work for you and also I'm not really at the point of recovery. I am trying to get to recovery. I am trying to, you know, I'm very much in the thick of it right now. Right. You're definitely, I mean, you called me crying just on Monday, like you said, so you're definitely still struggling through it. Right. So this is definitely not like a how to guide. And even if I were, let's say on the other side of it, like I'll still never be a professional. So let's just, you know, get that out of the way. But I think it can sometimes be cathartic to talk about experiences. And also the eating disorder I struggle with is binge eating disorder. And food addiction has not been recognized at this point by, you know, there's the big book of mental disorders and it's not in there yet, but also therapists do talk about food addiction as though it is. A Mm -hmm. lot of them do. And so that is also something that I will talk about, but just keep in mind that's not at this point a recognized, you know, clinical thing, but very much, you know, is a problem. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, but also, and, and binge eating disorder has been, is being talked about a lot more now and it's coming up a lot more, you know, if you search YouTubers and, you know, things like that, you'll find a lot, but in the past, and again, I'm going to give you an out here, please. If you struggle with any eating disorder, binge eating or any disordered eating, whether you don't eat or eat too much, I'm going to bring up the entire spectrum. So if that makes you uncomfortable, here is your exit. But, you know, anorexia and bulimia are kind of the two hot ticket, you know, eating Mm -hmm. disorders over the past, you know, several decades. And a lot of people know a lot about them. And it's very, you know, anorexia especially is very outward. Like you can, there's a a YouTuber, for example, named Eugenia Cooney. And everyone is like, you know, so it's scared for her because she's literally skin and bones and it's a really sad situation. And that is an outward, like needs help. But on the other side of the spectrum, binge eating disorder, it's really difficult. One, because a lot of people don't come forward about it. And two, because, and Kristen's heard me talk about this a lot, like in so many ways, you get looked at like, you know, you're just another fat, lazy person that just doesn't 
take care of themselves, right? Right. And there's also a lot of medical stigma that goes along with that. You go to the doctor for one thing and it's just like, oh, well, you need to lose weight. And it's like, I came here because I'm fucking having headaches. Are you serious? Like, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, not everything comes down to you need to lose weight, you know? So there's, it's hard to deal with all of that stigma as well, just being an overweight or obese person. Right. But even with you, you also not only have the binge eating disorder, but then you also have hormonal disorders that are also causing you to gain weight. Right. So I have PCOS as well. And so one of the ways to help PCOS is lose weight. But then another reason that you gain weight is because of PCOS. So it's very much like a catch 22. And so it's like when I got my PCOS diagnosis, it was like, oh, there's the answer to my thing. Like I've been gaining weight because of my PCOS. But then, you know, now that I've been in therapy every week for two years, pretty consistently, like there were a few weeks, you know, during COVID when I wasn't sure if I was going to lose my job where I wanted to save like the copays and things like that. But pretty much every week for the past two years, I've been in therapy, like really focusing not just on eating disorders because eating disorders come from things, you know, Mm -hmm, trauma and things like that. But they, you know, I realized that yes, I have PCOS and that is a big component, but this stemmed from something else and it's a beast all on its own. And so the PCOS will make it a lot harder. And if you, first of all, I just want to preface this by saying I also try to like my hardest to be body positive as well. So like if you don't want to lose weight and you're happy with your weight, that's fantastic. And you should live your life and fuck all else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That being said, like I am have personally like not done things because of my weight. And so I want to conquer the eating disorder, which will then result in weight loss. Like weight loss is not my ultimate goal, but I need to find balance. Right. Exactly. You need to find a way to also be healthy. Exactly. And so something that I've considered talking about, but I'm not really ready to go into this right now is like, I don't know, Kristen, if you've heard of like the philosophy health at every size. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but there's a lot of things that people have taken and run with that I do disagree with. And like I said, I'm not really super ready to get into that. I don't think that Mm -hmm. you can judge someone's health by their size, but then again, there are things that, you know, I have not been able to do because of my weight. And I'm not like, you know, you know, 150, 200, 300 pounds overweight. Like I I'd be good with like, you know, I'm probably like 80 ish pounds overweight. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, I'm not going to be on a TLC special, but the thing is like, I understand those people on like my 600 pound life. Like a lot of people look at those people and they're like, how the fuck do you let yourself get that way? And immediately my first thought is like, I know how, right. I absolutely understand it because a lot of people cope with trauma in a lot of different ways and you've got drugs, you've got alcohol and some people they overexercise. Like there's the entire opposite end of the spectrum. They don't eat or they are workaholics. You could say, or all these things, like most people are coping with their days in some way or another. Exactly. I turned to food and it was something that I think was budding under the surface since childhood, especially being from the South and everything we did to show love and to celebrate and, you know, to like, if you were sad, like you would make food for them, like literally every occasion, good, bad, everything Mm -hmm. was. I know you've said that that's, that's a problem for you when you go back home is that people like you can't especially trying to be vegan or vegetarian like you can't say no I don't want to eat that meat uh, because it's a whole thing it's almost insulting you know Mm -hmm. it's part of the culture and so I think that that was always kind of budding under the surface because even as a child like they would have to hide things 
you know what I mean from my mm-hmm. my brother and I but like especially me because we would just like want sweets all the time or like getting dessert after you eat vegetables or whatever that was a reward and so then it lit up that reward center in the brain where like now every time I eat dinner I need something sweet afterwards or else it's not complete and like there were just a lot of patterns that were created in early childhood around food and so I think it was planted very early on but then when I and we talked about this in the grief episode like especially when I lost my dad and uh, people that have known me personally throughout even just starting in high school but even before that like My weight did fluctuate, but for the most part, I had a handle on, I was very active. I was in marching band and in some places that's not like a super active thing, but in Texas, it very much is because it's incredibly competitive. Like we would be running laps and running to our sets and it was a very incredibly active sport, basically. That's why we got PE credit for it. And so I was just really active. And so any calories I was eating, I was burning a lot. So I didn't really gain much weight in high school. But when my dad died my senior year, I really gained, you know, 80 to, I think at some point, even like almost a hundred pounds in a year. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just happen because of PCOS. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. It can. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. It absolutely can. For me personally, I had had PCOS since I hit puberty, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't happen at 14. It didn't happen at 15. It didn't happen at 16. It happened between 17 and 18 when I lost my dad, between 18 and 19, my first year of college. You know, it wasn't a freshman 15. It was like a freshman 85, you know? Right. And and that wasn't all PCOS. My, my initial instinct was to blame it on that. But, and that there can be something said for the hormones making it more difficult, but that wasn't all it. It was trauma. It was, I lived alone my first year of college. I got an apartment by myself. I went to a community college for a little while. I kind of went back and forth between like, "Mm, I really wanted to go to university. I wanted to be a musician. I was dropping out. I was just not handling anything well. And then when I realized I wasn't going to like achieve these dreams that I had set for myself, you know, I turned to food. So I would go home to my apartment. I had no roommates. I decided I was going to take night classes. So I would stay up, you know, I'd go to class starting at 630 till 10. I would stay up all night, get on. It was Tumblr at the time, you know, meet my friends online that I had made that couldn't see me. So I could adjust my angles because I had always felt pretty attractive. I never had any problems dating I always felt fairly good about myself to some extent, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden I didn't. So I could kind of manipulate my presence online. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just mainly focused on making friends online and doing that kind of thing. And then I would just stay in my apartment and it was the first time I could go grocery shopping for myself or buy fast food anytime I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was like the thing I could control to not, you know, feel so much pain right, all the time because it was, it's just like, I tell my therapist all the time, like I feel just like any other addict that would need to go to AA or whatever, because I went to it for the same reasons mm-hmm. and I need the same kind of help. You know, I went to it to numb the pain. Right. And it has the same kind of hold over me now that I'm trying to fight through. So, you know, I, then I started the cycle of crash dieting, you know, because I didn't like myself. Right. And I didn't quite have a handle on the whole, like I had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. It was just, I like to eat bad food. And I also was in a relationship where we just ate like shit, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I literally went to a, I've been to several doctors and this is a huge problem too. And I've been to support groups where they have similar stories, which is really sad. I went to, I remember a weight loss clinic that was run by doctors 
They put me on 800 calories a day for the first two weeks. Jesus fucking Christ. So they starved you. They starved me, yep. It was 800 calories a day for the first, like, two weeks. And it was, like, 20 carbs total. And Oh, my God. No. How do you even – how? Yeah. And, you know, I was 19 years old at the time, and I didn't know – better. This was doctor supervised. They would give me B6 and B12 injections because I wasn't getting certain vitamins eating like that. And then I had to take a fuck ton of supplements. I fucking bet you're not getting any of your fucking nutrients. Right. And their goal was to put me in ketosis. So I had ketone strips where you pee on them and they tell you if you're in ketosis or not. And it was basically a keto diet, but like to the max, like way more strict than like somebody that you would just, you know, see on keto. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, the next week you could add in certain vegetables, but not even all vegetables because some vegetables were too high in carbs. Oh my God. Well, yeah. Carbs are good for you, motherfuckers. Exactly. So the first week, yeah, I lost, you know, a bunch of fat (laughs) because I was in ketosis and I was starving myself and I had no energy. And I was also working out mm-hmm. while I was only eating, you know, 800 calories to a thousand calories a day. Um, did you pass out? Like I wouldn't be surprised at all. So I almost went to the hospital because I was so dehydrated. Yeah. Fucking bet. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't contribute that to the diet. I just thought I wasn't like drinking enough water, had enough electrolytes because I was being monitored by a doctor. Like, you know, Oh my God. I also fell for Herbalife for a little while. I had a friend that was selling it. And so I bought like a $300 starter pack, which I am very anti MLM now. But again, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe at that point, 20 years old, needed to lose a lot of weight. And I had a you know, two friends that had lost a lot of weight because yes, you drink two shakes and you eat one meal and then you take a bunch of supplements. So again, you're basically starving yourself. Oh my God. There was one point when I was about 22 or 23. Yeah, I was probably 22 and I saw this documentary. I'm not going to name it because I don't really want anyone going to watch it and getting inspired. Mm-hmm. But this guy basically reset himself and detox by the way you don't need to fucking detox your body that's why you have a liver and <laughs> he juiced vegetables for you know x amount of time and I was like I can do that and I did that for 30 days straight and anytime I felt like I needed some sort of fiber I would just eat like a serving of almonds and I still oh worked my out God. and I still worked out You're and so you may like, be thinking the only like thing that got you through was your age Yes. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so right now I'm 28. I'll be 29 in about a month. But so they, I was still working out while doing all of these crash diets. And then you may be wondering, but you're a binge eater. So how did you like have the discipline to do all that? We'll see. They all failed Mm -hmm. because I got to the point where I was so hungry Mm-hmm. And my body was so starved that I, of course, would go back to the binging cycle. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've just been in this and this has been for the past 10 years. So I'm almost 29. And all of this started when I was really ramped up when I was about 18 years old. And it's not obviously something I ever talked about because I didn't really know what was going on. I thought that I just was fat. You know, I just gained weight. Like Mm -hmm. it just happened and I needed to lose it. And it was also embarrassing. Like you don't want to admit because I really, when I turned 18 and 19 and I started gaining all this weight, I started posting all this body positivity stuff about how the scale Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And I think I was trying to convince myself that more than I was trying to convince anyone else. Right. Because I needed it. I needed this body positivity movement. And people do. And I'm not saying they don't. Because we put way too much value in thinness. Like. Absolutely. Obviously. And. But at the same time. Like. I just wasn't healthy. Like. I don't. I wasn't eating hardly any vegetables. I still struggle with that. Because like I just don't like them. But you know. There was no balance. And. I was just eating like thousands of calories a day because, and a lot of them would be like in very 
the binge eating is like in short sittings, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's embarrassing to even talk about like the things that I would just go buy at the store, eat in one sitting, and then you feel horrible afterwards. It's just like binge drinking. Right. I mean, I'm making a joke, but I'm surprised you weren't bulimic. But I guess the only thing that got you there is the fact that you hate throwing up. Literally have a (laughs) phobia of it. But it's kind of to the point where, like with binge eating disorder, that feeling of being so uncomfortably full becomes part of it. Oh, okay. Like, I'm going to add another trigger warning here for something different. This is a trigger warning for self-harm. So, all right. I'm also a self-harmer. Now, I am in recovery for that. I haven't done that in many years. But it's kind of like there are many components to self-harming that people that cut themselves like. There's not just the feeling, but the visual of it. And that's the kind of the same thing with binge eating. It's not just the act of eating. There's an oral fixation, but then there's also that feeling of like excessive fullness too. Interesting. I had never Mm. even considered that. Yeah. So, you know, it makes you uncomfortable and you feel bad afterwards, but that's just kind of like part of the cycle that you get used to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like part of my story. Obviously there's a lot to cover in 10 years but if I went through my entire fucking history but I just got into a really really bad cycle that now and I mean as long as you've known me Kristen I've mm-hmm. been telling you that I struggle mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know and you know it's like I, I mean I got to the point where I was dieting one time and I literally like ate something just to taste it and I was on such a strict diet and I would just like spit it out like that's how bad it got you know, cause I was like, I need to eat that, but like, I can't. And that obviously doesn't work either. And so right now, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy, which is great. And, but I'm still so like, when I called you, you know, I've called you crying, I think like twice in the past week or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. A couple different things. Yeah. So it's hard to say like what, is going to work. Like for some people it's inpatient therapy kind of starts off, but for me, like inpatient therapy, I would need to just like go in for like a whole year, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just like shut the door and you can't, I can't just stop my life. Like I have a job and a family, like, you know, that just doesn't work, but outpatient therapy. And I also have a personal trainer and I'm not, I don't have a personal trainer that like she, I mean, she, I wouldn't say kicks my ass, but like she's helping me find a balance between like with food and exercise and all of those things, because I've always just had such a poor disordered relationship with both of those things. So my therapist helps me figure out, you know, how I think about all these things and why I think about all these things. And then my personal trainer helps me kind of also find the balance between all of these things. And Mm -hmm. Something that I probably shouldn't have done recently was my gym is a private gym. So like there, it's not like it's a planet fitness or a 24 hour fitness where you just go and work out and leave with a personal trainer. So you have to have a, an appointment with a personal trainer, even just to go in. And then there's, you could maybe have the gym all to yourself, or maybe there's like one other person working out with their personal trainer, which is great because like, I don't like being around people. I feel judged all the time. Like, you know, I bet. And they were doing this like body comp in the end, it's still a gym, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of toxicity and fitness and we all know that, but that's not something I'm going to get into a ton either, but they did this body composition contest, which is basically a weight loss contest. But the, there were like, the prizes were like massage therapy, like several sessions of massage therapy and free personal training sessions, which are very expensive. And I was like, Hey, I'm already, you know, working out and trying to eat better. So like, I might as well just sign up. Like what's the worst that could happen? Like, even if I don't win anything, it there's, there's no loss to me because I'm already going to try to do the thing anyways. Right. So, you know, you would think like, oh, well, but if you lose or you weigh in, like you're going to be super triggered and you're going to be really upset. Okay. But like the opposite thing happened. Yeah. I did really, really, really well. And I got so triggered by doing really well, which was so weird to me. Like I called Kristen and I was like, 
okay, I'm like, I'm fine, but like, I'm happy and I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> right. Which I, when I told my therapist that she was like, okay, just because I've never heard of it doesn't mean, and I was like, cool, 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 cool. So like, if you've ever had a, a panic attack and also been like kind of happy, but also not known what's happening in your head, let me know. Cause um, <laughs> I feel kind of fucking crazy, but I lost, uh, I gained 11 pounds of muscle, which was awesome. Cause I'm doing a lot of like weightlifting and powerlifting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I also lost a significant amount of fat while also gaining a lot of muscle, which is like, I was frustrated because I had kind of, I got into this thing where if I had like one thing, like I had started kind of moralizing food, which I know in my head you shouldn't do like an Oreo is not bad. It's just like, Mm -hmm. if I eat the entire container, that's a binge, you know what I mean? Right. Which I have done. And so, but if I have like three, that's not a binge, but in my head I've said, okay, an Oreo is a trigger food. So if you have an Oreo, you're triggered and that's a binge. Like, no, but in my eating disorder brain, it's hard for me to rationalize things. Mm-hmm. And it's, so I had it's like very black and white for you. Exactly. Even though I can tell other people all day, these things that are facts, like don't moralize mm-hmm. food. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, it's still hard when you're actually in the thick of it. So like I had had like, I don't know, like a couple Oreos with Brad and I went on vacation and I had tried crumble, which is like fucking sinful, you know? Oh my God. I want to try it so bad. And they're so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not vegan, but I was like, I don't care. I'm trying it. Like, <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I fucked up everything. I had been doing so good because it was a six week thing. I had been doing so good for three weeks. And the last three weeks I got out of routine and I completely fell off and I was doing so good. Now I'm doing so bad. And I had just gotten in my head that I was just had ruined everything and I had just crashed and burned. And then when I found out that I hadn't, and I'm still not quite sure I fully rationalized all this just to be perfectly honest and perfectly clear. I was really happy. And then all of a sudden in the midst of like being happy that I had still done well and was still finding balance. Like, Hey, I had three Oreos and didn't binge, but somehow in my head, I still thought I did bad. I spiraled into a panic attack from that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was, you know, I was moralizing food, which I know I shouldn't do. And part of it was I thought I did bad, but I didn't. And so why did I think I was doing poorly? And then in my head, I was like, it's because you're still fucked up, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be fucked up and sick anymore, you know? Right. And so I think that I, you know when you feel kind of like you're on the cusp of recovery and then something happens and you're, you feel like you're farther away than you may have initially thought. But then at the same time you're like, Oh, well I still did pretty good. So, and weight loss does not equate to being close to recovery. I'm just saying in this instance, you know, for me, it was kind of a marker. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what the fuck is happening to me? And But the biggest thing was I had never tried to lose weight, which I had tried many times and succeeded in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a big breakthrough moment for me because I had not been tracking. I had not been counting calories. I had not been checking really the scale. I had like once and I was like, oh, I only lost like one and a half pounds. Fuck this. But it's because I had actually gained muscle. Mm -hmm. And so... I think just the fact that I had been finding balance was new to me and I didn't know how to process it. And then, you know, so, I mean, it was a good thing, but also it was very scary for me. And I talked Mm -hmm. to my therapist about it and she said, well, the fact that you had that breakthrough is good because it means you are making progress towards recovery. But then on Monday, my personal trainer's rates went up and I had been seeing her twice a week and now I can only see her once a week. And I called Kristen just losing it because when you are in and so deep into and some sort of disorder and 
you have this routine and you need to stick to it because this is how you're getting well. And it means so much to you that these are the things that you need. And then one of those things is taken away from you and it throws off your routine. I mean, I, I'm, I called you and I called my husband and I was like, I'm just so scared. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing with this disorder with any eating disorder with a lot of disorders with a lot of mental health problems and I think that a lot of people will relate to this even if you don't have an eating disorder there's this really loud voice and I know that it's me but at the same time it's like I don't have any control over this voice that just nags at me all day and tells me that I can't and that I won't you know mm-hmm And that in a year from now, I will still be in the same place or worse off and that I will not have conquered this and that I will, you know, not be in personal training anymore. Probably won't even be in therapy. I'll still be a binge eater. I'll be back to square one. And in a year, in five years, in 10 years, I will not be living the life that I want to be living because I have let this disorder run my life into the ground. Like I have a good, I'm not saying I don't have a good life, but like I have not done certain events and experiences because I have been too scared. Mm -hmm. And so it's literally just telling me that I, you know, well, you lost a day with your personal trainer. Now you're just, you know, that's it. That's the thing that's going to ruin you. And like I told you on Monday, I just told you I'm so tired of being sick like Mm -hmm. this. I'm tired of feeling like this. And it's just really hard when there's this fucking voice in your head that is so loud and it tells you that you need this thing, like whether it be drugs, alcohol, or food in my case, that you have to have it, that you can't move on. It's a compulsion, which is great because I, then I had to get tested for OCD and that's a whole other part of addiction sometimes. Yeah. And it's even harder for food, as you've mentioned, because it's not like alcohol where you can just never have a drink again. You have to continue to eat. Right. Yeah. And that's why You know, when people ask, this should be like a normal thing that friends do and families do is go out to eat. And sometimes, you know, I I really have to rely on routine right now. And sometimes when people, they should be able to ask me as their friend to go out to eat. And sometimes when I get asked to go out to eat, it just kind of paralyzes me Mm -hmm. because I'm like, okay, all right, where are we going? I need to look at the menu. Like, it's not even about what ki- how many calories are in a dish. It's what are my trigger foods? Because mm-hmm. I could eat a, f- a food and it could spiral me into a binge depending on where I'm at in my recovery and how, and how delicate of a, a mental state I'm in. You know, and some days I could be fine and I could go out and eat something and be fine and move on with my day and then just go back to the day that I had planned for my eating. But everything right now, because I'm in, I'm so delicate is so meticulous that, you know, I, and I'm very fortunate that I've gotten to the point where I'm not, obviously I'm talking about this on something that could like right now we don't have like a ton of listeners but this could blow up and get you know who knows how many listeners one day and I'm very aware of that you know so clearly I'm at a point where I can talk about this but I'm very fortunate that I have friends that I can be like I have a binge eating disorder so if we're gonna go out to eat like I need a heads up and I need to really like rationalize this. Like mm-hmm. I've told you, you and me, we'd love to go get Taco Bell. That's one of my trigger mm-hmm. places. Like yep. it just is. And I need, and I want to get to the point where I can get something from there and then just be done with it and get like one thing and move on. But it's been that way in the past where I get like three or four things and then it bleeds into the next day and the next day. And I'm still binging because of that one place or that one food. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I I think you did amazing. I went up there a month, two months ago, and you did. We went to Taco Bell. They had nacho fries back. We had to go get them because I have a problem. And you did good. You got one thing and you were done. I was really proud of you. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, some days are better than others. It's kind of like, you know, there are some people that acknowledge they have a drinking problem and they stop for a while and then they kind of incorporate it back in to see if they can do it socially. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I, like you said, I can't not eat and it'll just always be like that. I just have to get to the point where I can take, take it as it comes. And I just, you know, my friends have to just know that like, you know, I may need a little bit more control over where we go sometimes. And that's typically nobody's really had a problem with that. Yeah. I'm down. You tell me where you want to go. Yeah. And same thing like with my husband, you know, it's hard when you have a spouse that, you know, doesn't have any problems with food. It's easy to become an enabler in somebody's Mm -hmm. life that has an eating disorder, especially binge eating disorder, because it's like, it's so easy to want to like watch movies and snack and like, Mm -hmm. That's just part of culture and part of society. But if you do have a friend that has a binge eating disorder, that may be something that is a major trigger for them and is like, they may just be like, haha, yeah, snacks. And internally they are just panicking or crumbling, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, I am not at all turning it to myself, but this is not something that I struggle with, but I am surrounded by people that I love that do. I have, I mean, you struggle with this. My mother does. And Connor doesn't struggle with food. He struggles more with soda. But he also, you know, has like that whole finish your plate complex. And I have to be like, no, don't finish your plate just because you put extra on there. Please don't. And it's a struggle sometimes to try to understand where you guys are coming from. But I try really hard. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with, you know, like I've said, somebody with drugs or alcohol, like I may not understand mm-hmm. getting blackout drunk all the time, but I do understand that, you know, there are a lot of people that it's like addiction is not a disease. That's fucking stupid. I fucking get it. Like, you know, it's now what I don't understand and like what I, I try to have a lot of patience because I have somebody in my life that I'm it, it's very, very close to that is not dealing with their addiction problem, even mm-hmm. though I begged them to. If you don't try to get help and therapy, that's on you. But what I do understand is there is something that is bigger than you that is telling you you need this and you cannot move on until you have it. And you, mm-hmm. it is so hard to conquer that voice because let me tell you, there have been times, and I've told my therapist this, where I have just, I've known we've had something in the kitchen, in the mm-hmm. pantry, in the fridge. And I like am at the point of almost in just fucking tears because I, just it's like I have to have it or I just can't move on if you've seen Requiem for a dream there's like the fridge is like shaking and like she just can't stop staring at it and it's like almost like you know seething almost like it's almost like that it's it's it has so much control and power that Mm -hmm. I can't even put it into words and so I guess my biggest thing is like not judging someone because you have no idea. Like you could just look at me and think that, you know, I'm fat, lazy, and just like to eat. And that's fine if that's what you want to believe. But when I tell you I have spent just, I read, I have read books and watched YouTube videos and I have spent days worth of hours like crying and in therapy, like years actually in therapy, trying to conquer this. And it all goes back to, you know, trauma and trying to deal with something because I never learned how to cope in a Mm -hmm. proper way. So I just saw kindness and patience with people and we all have inherent biases. Mm -hmm. We just do. And that's fine. I don't need you to find me attractive what I do need from you is some understanding, you know? Right. And, and it's like, some people don't give a fuck what they look like. And that's great. I've never been able to be one of those people that doesn't give a fuck. Like I constantly, when I walk into somewhere and I think that in this society and culture, just saying this can get you fucking canceled. If the wrong people hear it, like, you should love yourself no matter what. And it's almost like if you don't, you're wrong. 
Like mm-hmm. you're bad. And I hate that because we all have our own insecurities and it's not my fucking fault. And it's also not my fault that society values thinness and not mm-hmm. me. But, you know, it's like, I'm always like, am I the biggest person in the room? What are people thinking of me? Like, I can't even like go and walk in my neighborhood without being like, I can't imagine how I fucking look trying to jog right now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which is sad, but it it is what it is. Like, I think about like my my exes and my friends from high school, like, you know, a high school reunion would be like my literal nightmare, you know? Absolutely. I, I don't have the same binge problem. I don't have the same weight problem that you do, but I still do. I won't jog in my neighborhood because I don't want people looking at me and I don't know what they're thinking. They're probably not even paying attention to me, but I think that they are. I would never go to my high school reunion because I agree absolute fucking nightmare because people are looking at you and what are they thinking and they may not be thinking anything but in my mind they are exactly so it's you know and when you have this voice in your head that has just been mean to you and telling you to do these harmful things for so many years it's just like it just amplifies everything like anytime I go out in public which I think like I don't know this to be true, which is sad because like, because of this, this eating disorder, I feel like I don't even know myself Mm -hmm. to a great extent because I've always been like, I am a homebody and I am an introvert to an extent like that will never change. But I do feel like I would be an extroverted introvert instead of an introverted introvert if I had more confidence in myself. Like I feel like a lot of my social anxiety would be better if I hadn't been struggling with this eating disorder for so long. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I don't know myself to a huge extent because of this and healing from this. And I'm not there yet has been the hardest thing other than, you know, Well, I was going to say other than like losing my dad, but I think it's all tied in like this grief Mm -hmm. journey and this eating disorder are very, you know, hand in hand. And so, which is sad because like, I want to know myself and I want to get to know myself. And I think I'm a pretty like adventurous person. I think that I would do a lot more and get to know a lot more people, but I just don't think that I would be accepted in a lot of things. Like I have had full on panic attacks going to my husband's Christmas parties. I bet. I don't, yeah, I don't think that would exist if I didn't have the, I think my eating disorder causes a lot of my confidence problems, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not saying those would all go away. And then I also think that, you know, conquering this will result in weight loss. Again, that's not my main concern, but it just will happen, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I'm really concerned, you know, I'm big picture kind of person. I'm not a small details kind of person. I'm like, and I'm probably also going to have to deal with body dysmorphia once I get there, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm just assuming all these other issues are going to come, which may not be the case, but you know, and then I've also understand that because of this eating disorder, I have damaged my body in ways that I'm not going to be able to fix. So, you know, if I lose 60 pounds or whatever, I'm probably going to have loose skin, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm probably going to have to get that surgically removed or will I even be able to afford that? I may just have to live with it. I don't know. So there are things that will always be reminders that I'm going to struggle with food for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And to just not be able to eat like, I'm not going to say a normal person because I know a lot of people have eating disorders, but to just struggle with food when a lot of people just can eat and not think about it and enjoy mm-hmm. it, that will always be something that I am sad about, that I just won't ever get that experience, you know? Right. So food will always be something I have a very love-hate relationship with because I loved it too much and it became you know, my best friend, my comfort, my main support system. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. And that's why you see people exploited on TLC Mm -hmm. and on my 600 pound life, because that's exactly what happens. And then you get to a point where it's all you have. I'm lucky that that's not happening to me and that hasn't. But again, like I mentioned before, I understand it, Mm -hmm. you know, 
it becomes the thing that you look forward to all day that your world revolves around your your three a day you know Mm -hmm. what are you getting next like you eat breakfast and then immediately it's like all right so how many hours until lunch and then how many hours until dinner and then people just don't understand it and it's like why can't you just stop and it's like well I mean, people can't just stop drinking and people can't just stop Mm -hmm. doing heroin, you know? Right. It's the same mechanisms. And I can tell you that with confidence because I'm in fucking addiction therapy for it. I am (laughs) in active addiction therapy for this problem. So, I mean, it's definitely like if you're out there and you're struggling with binge eating disorder or any eating disorder, but like from my own point of view, like I struggle with binge eating it's fucking hard, man. Like it has destroyed me and is, it is like right now there are, there are some light at the end of the tunnel, but like I told you on Monday when I called you, I just feel like, you know, I get a little bit of light and then it gets snuffed out and then like, it'll Mm -hmm. come back. So I'm just in a very like up and down place right now. Right. And I'm trying really hard to, to keep it, keep the light there. Like, even though I had to stop going to personal training as much, which was helping me so much, like I was, I usually would have it tonight, but when I got home, I just went out into my neighborhood, even though my whole entire being was like, people are going to see you. If you go outside, people are going to look at you. Mm-hmm. I fucking jogged anyways. Like, I'm so proud of you for that. Like I, thank you. I can't even do that. I appreciate it. It was really fucking hard. Every time, like there was a car, I was like, Mm-hmm. you're fucking looking at me aren't you like right so, exactly it, luckily my neighborhood's not like super hustle bustle but like ugh, I still fucking hated it every time and people were like coming home because it was around like 5 30 6 o'clock you know yeah I don't even like to go out to check the mail when people drive by so yeah I get it yeah exactly so you know I'm just trying to keep that light at the end of the tunnel as much as I can and keep in therapy. And I know therapy is, is a privilege and I don't take that for granted. And there are a lot of free resources for eating disorders. So there are, there actually are, is a group called Overeaters Anonymous. I personally have never gone to an Overeaters Anonymous group. It's the same anonymous as, you know, AA and NA and Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. I personally, if you want to check that out? Absolutely. I have nothing against AA or NA. I do know that they, you know, do the whole higher power thing. And you guys know how I feel about that. I have been to an ANAD support group for uh, eating disorders. And they actually specifically have a group for people in larger bodies. And ANAD is the National Association of Anorexia Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders, so A-N-A-D. If you go to ANAD.org, you can sign up for virtual support groups. And they have LGBTQ plus specific support groups. They have people in larger body support groups. They have anorexia specific support groups. They have all sorts of support groups that you can do on Zoom. And they're on weeknights. So if you need resources and you can't afford therapy or it's not an option for you, those can be helpful. So they that's just something I would like to put out there if anybody needs it. And there are also, I would try to avoid better help and those types of online resources if you can. But that's just because therapists don't tend to like them. Mm. But, you know those that's my personal that's not even really like scratching too I mean it scratches the surface definitely but like internally it's just a constant war like it is Mm -hmm. literally exhausting I can only imagine absolutely it disrupts my work life it disrupts my sex life like it's it's but and sometimes my personal life my friends like I try not to let it too much but you know when you're feeling so down about yourself all the time. And it's like, I don't know what to wear. I don't have any clothes. I like, like I haven't even, well, uh, there were a couple reasons. Like I haven't even come into my own style, which is, you know, very goth, very like, you know, elder emo, I guess, if you will. But a lot of those were like, well, first of all, I'm plus size and it's really hard to buy for plus size clothing. And they don't fucking, that's a whole other thing. They don't make great clothing, clothing for that. But also like, 
I need to hide myself. I need to hide in these patterns and these clothes that I don't actually mm-hmm. like. And this is what I should wear because this is what's flattering on me. And I'm just now kind of getting to the point where I'm like, fuck all that shit. But it Good. took me a long time. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out how I want to style myself, you know, in my own body. So, you know, it really disrupts pretty much every part of my life. So if you're out there, like you're not alone. And also I know this was mostly me talking, but the fact that I can sit here with someone who doesn't struggle with this, that is like so compassionate and like Mm -hmm. listens to me, like just sob about something that even though she doesn't understand it, like, you know, I can tell her like, I can't, I can't go out to eat. Can we do something else? Like, you know, you can talk to there, there are, well, I hope that you have safe people in your life that you can talk to because it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. If not, I mean, we are here if anybody needs to talk. Yeah. I definitely like there, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I know a lot about this one thing. (laughs) Right. So you know, this is, I, unfortunately, I don't want to know a lot about this, but like I said, I've been in therapy for a long time for this and I'm not recovered yet, like, but I'm on the path and I'm actively in, in it. And, you know, if you need other resources, I'm sure I have them. I have an entire fucking workbook, you know, and I ha- I do have some things that I have purchased and some books that I've bought that I'm reading. So if you're interested in those resources, please email oddestishottest at gmail.com. I'm the one that, you know, reads them primarily. And then I send them to Kristen if, you know, she should also read them, but I'm the one that gets them first. So if you're concerned or anything like that, you know, email us because we will get them and I will mm-hmm. read it. And, or of course, you know, oddest is hottest on Instagram and Facebook and oddest hottest on Twitter. The DMS are open. I can't support you like a therapist and please don't make me your therapist. That being said, like if you need help finding resources, I'm here for you, but I cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot therapize you, but right. You know, to that, to some extent, if you just need camaraderie, you know, let us know because uh, I got you on that. Exactly. Well, thank you for listening. If you got this far, I appreciate you hearing me out and hearing my story. And we may touch on this, you know, eventually. I'm sure I will give you all updates as I go through this journey. And I'm going to try not to focus too much on the weight loss. But I, as, as y'all know, like that is kind of a goal, but you know, ultimately the goal is to find a healthy balance between, you know, exercise and just eating. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'll give updates occasionally and until we see you next time, as always, thank you for being here. Yep. Bye. Bye.